This episode is brought to you by our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. Which means this episode is brought to us by you. Right? That's how not it works. no, not me. No, no, the fans. Right, yeah. The yes. listener. We're talking when I say you, I mean the listeners. Yes, the the figurative you, right? Yes. But, but nobody else is in here with us as we record this. Who are I'm you lo- talking I, about? I'm looking at the computer when I say it. Oh, oh, oh no. Alright. So just go to GameZilla Media on Patreon.com. There you'll be able to choose your patronage level and get different access to the shows. So you can get exclusive content for The Legend of Retro and Noobs and Dragons. Noobs and Dragons? The show with that handsome devil, Craig WK? Well, almost all of those words were right. Yeah. And if you go on there and sign up, you can also get access to a private Discord channel in our Discord group. Basically, the more dollars you give us, the more things we can give you. Exactly. So go to patreon.com slash gamesillamedia and become a patron today. Do it. Yeah. Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome to the Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK. With me is uh, my co-host, The Glitch. What's up, Craig? And... Glitch, we have a special guest with us today. We do have a special guest. Indeed we do. The Arcade Phantom, Sean. We must be covering The Simpsons if I'm a guest down here. Yeah, we absolutely are. Today we're talking about The Simpsons arcade game. We sure are. Sean is two for two. <laughs> Wants those Simpson games. It's all them Simpsons games. I... To be fair, this is just a great beat-em-up, more so than just a Simpsons game. That is very true. So this was released for arcades on March 4th, 1991. This beat-em-up from Konami stars the Simpson family from the hit show trying to rescue Maggie from Smithers and Mr. Burns. Yeah, so it uh, introduces the game that the family's walking down downtown Springfield, and uh, Smithers is robbing a jewelry store. Uh Uh-huh. And then they run in, Homer runs into Smithers... The diamond flies into the air. Maggie catches it with her mouth. Yep. And Smithers just yanks Maggie and starts running. You'd think he'd be smart enough to just take the diamond out of her mouth and run, but he just kidnaps the baby. You clearly didn't read the story of the game, Craig, because that would make no sense. Oh. Yeah. I I apologize. If you would have known the plot, then you would have known that this makes way more sense. Yeah. So that scene is kind of vividly in my head. I don't know about you guys, but I always think of that diamond flying up and everyone going, ah! (laughs) And then, like, uh, yeah. uh, It's funny because, like, the. uh, There there are, like, little, like, cutscenes, like, after every level, uh, which is kind of interesting. Like, uh, uh, in level. uh, What is it? Level 2, Krusty Land, uh, you know, you have uh, the Simpsons family, like, falling down a cliff. You know, yeah, at the end of it. Uh huh. I uh, is that at the end of level two? At the end of one of the levels, whatever. I uh, I'm pretty sure it is. But I uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the the game. So previously on on Legend of Retro, we had Sean on and we talked about Bart versus the Space Mutants, which was, which was like a, a platformer. But this is a beat 'em up. Yeah, this, this is a Konami made beat 'em up. Oh yeah, like this is uh, has a, a very prestigious pedigree behind it. I mm-hmm. uh, now for those who are are you know maybe a little out of the loop, they're not familiar with beat 'em ups. Basically, you you walk around, you can command your character on like kind of a, a 
kind of like a 3D plane, essentially. You can move up and down, left and right, and, you know, you you move, you know, uh, forward and back on the screen. And uh, you you get a bunch of, uh, like, uh, like melee attacks, essentially. So, like, Homer uh, uh, punches and kicks. Uh, Marge swings a vacuum. <laughs> uh, you have Bart, who swings his skateboard around. Yep. Uh, and Lisa uh, whips with her jump rope. Jump rope, yeah. Uh, which is kind of, I don't know, like, it... it it's sort of weird uh, and funny, but I appreciate that Homer actually fights with his his bare hands mm-hmm. uh, because Homer throughout The Simpsons is going to get into some fist fights, uh, like when he fights uh, uh, the guy from the Big Brother yep. uh, uh, company. I'm in so much pain right now. Oh, <laughs> what does he say? No, this looks more painful than it. Or this it? is more painful than it looks. Yes. <laughs> Falls back on the fire hydrant. Uh, uh, that, that was Tom from the Big Brother. Tom. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah. He's supposed you. to be played by Tom Cruise. Little Noiseland Arcade trivia coming up early. Oh, well, I'll be danged. I. Uh, yeah. So I. Uh, uh, as far as that goes, I. Uh, Konami had a bunch of beat 'em ups back in the day. They were the ones who did all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle beat-em-ups. Uh, they had, of course, you know, the Simpsons arcade game. Is there any other big beat-em-ups they had? They had that giant X-Men with the two screens. Oh, yeah. That was Konami? That was Konami, yeah. Oh, really? So that was the, the Street Fighter game where, where it was, what, like six players? Eight players it or was some nonsense? Six, it was a six-player beat-em-up, and it had two screens. There were two versions of it, one without two screens, one with two screens. Mm-hmm. And you could play up to six players, and everybody could pick a different X-Men. That's right. It's the one where Colossus is in it. It's Colossus, Dazzler, Wolverine, Cyclops. Uh, Nightcrawler. Uh, Someone else? I don't remember who. Yeah, who are we forgetting? Did we say Wolverine? I said Wolverine, yeah. Uh, somebody else. Iceman? Angel? Beast? S- maybe Beast. Apu? Morph? Homer. I bet it's Apu. I think I think, uh, I think Glitch right. is right. Yeah. I think Glitch is onto something. But there. yeah, Konami was killing the arcade market at this time. Oh yeah, like, and that's just beat 'em ups yeah. we're talking about. Like I mean, they had like Gun, uh, what not Gunstar, uh, 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 Wild Guns. No, uh, Sunset, Sunset Riders. Riders. Sunset Riders. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So like they they had a ton of games, and yeah, they were absolutely just demolishing the competition. Well, maybe not demolishing. I mean, they were going against like. You know, Capcom Street Fighter, which mm-hmm. was sucking up quarters, but like, you know, th- this is a a, a beat 'em up that came out based on a animated series of like like a slice of life, like a just like a regular sitcom. Is this the only sitcom beat 'em up that there is? Because I think it might be. Well, there was that different strokes beat. Yeah, I was going to say, Frasier, I think, had a couple, didn't he? Full houses There beat was a up. Cheers one, and then there was the spinoff Frasier beat him up, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, this is the only sitcom beat him up, and it's good. It is really, really good. This there's is a, a there's phenomenal a f- game. There's a full house one where at the end of every level, they learn a life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't beat up your sister. I didn't think of that. So it's funny that you mentioned Street Fighter with this. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 had just come out in arcades in February of this year. Mm-hmm. So arcades were actually fighting over which one of these systems they would buy. Would they buy this new game that's taking off in the market, Street Fighter, or would they pick a licensed title like The Simpsons that they knew? Oh. Konami and Capcom went right head to head with those two titles at this time. So The Simpsons Arcade was a competitor for Street Fighter 2. It was a 2. competitor for Street hmm. Fighter 2, the original version. Interesting. I... I did notice that development for this game started in uh, February of 1990, which would have meant that the series was in uh, uh, 
season one, episode eight at the time, which is around the Telltale Head. It's uh, it's Telltale Head. Telltale Head, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting, uh, especially for the fact that like Simpsons Mania hadn't quite taken off at that point. Like it's, I mean, I, I feel like they basically were just like kind of gambling. Like, hey, we have the money to be able to like you know finance like you making a game. We feel like we got we're onto something here. Let's go ahead and go for it. Well, if you remember in the Bart versus the Space Mutants episode, development for that game started before the series even aired. Mm-hmm. So it was just on the Tracy Ullman show at the time when they're like, yeah, let's make this game based off this show that's about to be its own entity. Fox had to have just figured, you know what, like we, we're going to push hard on this. Let's go ahead and do this. I did notice that the the furthest reference I, I saw in this game was uh, Bart the Daredevil, which aired in December of 90. So it it would have been, I mean, if they were still like adding to the game, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking within the last three months of the game being released that they were still like putting, you know, uh, stuff from the episodes, characters, yeah, and enemies that that are from the show. How I mean, they, they would have had to have had episodes done in advance. That's true. You know, like in being developed on. So, so. They, they probably got production stills of the coming up episodes, and they took ideas from just the stills of that. That's how a lot of video games work. Like when the Lego Star Wars games were being made for The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. they didn't get to see the finished film. They just got to see little clips, read storyboards, and then take pictures. And they made everything up basically based off of that. Oh, And it's pretty accurate. So I'm assuming that's how they did this as well. Yeah. Probably something pretty similar. Now, I... I, I really do want to uh, uh, delve into the game and, and a lot of the Simpsons references that we see throughout it. Uh, so let's go level by level yeah. and okay. uh, uh, chat about them. So the first level is, I, I believe, uh, 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 Glitch, you had mentioned, it's in downtown Springfield. Yep. Uh, now, a few of the uh, places you see are the Rusty Barnacle, which is the seafood restaurant, which is... Uh, uh, I believe that is in the episode where uh, Homer's Night, Night Out. Homer's yeah. Night, yeah. Night Out. It's a SAG party uh-huh. episode, yep. Uh, you also have Noiseland Arcade. You sure do. Which is the uh, arcade found in Springfield that named our uh, spinoff Did show. you see who was in Noiseland Arcade? In the I, game? I know the the kid from the arcade is there with yep. the, the, the glasses. Uh, yeah, the one who helps Homer play the boxing game. Uh-huh. The one who coaches him. Uh, that kid's there. Uh, you also have, uh, I believe it's uh, Principal Skinner and Martin are standing around on the street. Uh, you have... Uh, of course Martin's on the street with the principal. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a weenie. He's a real big weenie. Uh, and uh, uh, throughout all, a lot of the levels, Sherry and Terry drop off like healing items and stuff. I uh, I think they're only in this first level. Oh, is it only the first level? I, I might be wrong. I, I thought I saw them in a, a later level. I might be wrong. Uh, but the boss is another Simpsons reference. Werner von Braun, that's Braun with a W, is uh, uh, the boss of the first level. So that's the Bart the Daredevil episode. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that was the further... I mean, I might, I might have missed something. I'm sure I did. But as far as references to the show, that was the furthest out I saw. Yeah, Werner von Braun is, uh, uh, which in Noise and Arcade, we delve really deep into it. And, you know, we find out that's a reference to like a German Nazi scientist that America picked up. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, he's he's the wrestler from that episode. Uh, is there any other uh, uh, references in the first episode that are first uh, <laughs> the first level that I might have missed? 
Not that I have any notes. So I saw one more person. Oh, yeah? And it's at the very start of the game. It's for a split second. Uh Uh-huh. Abe Simpson standing there as, you know, they start running out chasing Smithers. So he's on the screen for a little bit and then just walks off to the left. It's funny because he's also at the end of the game. Is he at the end of the game? He is. He is at the end of the game, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, the second level is Krusty Land, I, uh, which I, uh, it's funny because like in future episodes of The Simpsons they'll be Itchy and Scratchy Land, I, uh, and it's interesting because Krusty Land I don't know if ever is actually a thing in the show is it Krusty Land's a thing in the show because um those uh those tourists were decapitated when they went into the Hall of Knives. <laughs> the Krusty Lane Hall of Knives. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So I, uh, uh, but the Simpsons never go to Krusty Land, do they? No, they never go to Krusty Land. They go to Itchy and Scratchy, scratchy Land. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Huh. So uh, in Krusty Land, uh, you see I uh, uh, Otto running a I I uh, concession stand, and more interestingly, you have next to him Doctor Marvin Monroe. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that's very weird choice. Also, Sean hates Doctor Marvin Monroe. I hate Doctor Marvin Monroe. I know. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> now, uh, well, uh, he's dead. I mean, he did get a memorial hospital, yeah. and then he came back to life. It's fan fiction. Yeah, fan fiction <laughs> seasons. That I. Uh, so, what's really interesting to me is there is a uh, reference that I don't think I ever caught when I was younger, but I uh, in one of the cages is the Quidgibo. Did you guys catch that? Which what's that? The Quidgibo is the word Bart makes up in Bart the Genius. He he puts down all of his letters so he can quit playing and like win the game. He puts down Quidgibo, mm-hmm. and when this uh, when Homer's like, "What the heck's a Quidgibo?" and like calls him out, he's like, "It's a balding, uh, a fat balding uh, North American uh, ape with no chin." And Homer gets mad at him and, and chases him around. In the background of the level is like a pink hairless gorilla. In a cage. That has to be the Quidgibo, right? I did not catch that, but I'm going to yeah, go I back and look at that tonight. I didn't put those two together. I did notice the pink gorilla. It's a Quidgibo. And I was trying to look and see what that was. It's I- a Quidgibo. <laughs> it's a balding North American ape with no chin. That's a great connection right there. Right? Uh, did you see what was in the cage next to him that busted out? Uh, yeah. A bear, yep. uh, which uh, uh, in the, uh, what is that episode called? Uh, the... <sighs> Not the great outdoors. That's a movie with John Candy. What wow. is the episode where they go out in the woods? The Call of the Simpsons. Call of the Simpsons. Thank you. Uh, yeah, in the Call of the Simpsons, the bears play a big role, and uh, in this game, even the bear runs off. But then we'll see him later on in the game. I. Uh, you also see the uh, rabbits from Life in Hell are in this level. Now uh, I know you guys did a little bit of research on uh, said rabbits. Uh, why are they a big deal? They also are the uh, uh, in like every screen cap in the intro to every level. So Matt Groening, before he made The Simpsons, mm-hmm. actually did a comic strip called Life in Hell. Yeah, and it was a satirical comic strip about basically how work life and life in general is horrible. Uh huh. And it stars these rabbits. Yeah. And there's another reference to them that is when Marge gets electrocuted in this game. Her skeleton is shown, and she's got rabbit ears underneath her hair. Was that actually supposed to be like a gimmick in the show that she really had rabbit ears? That was something Matt Groening had always joked about, and somebody through the translation loop put it into the game, thinking it was legitimate. Well, I know that he had planned to reveal it at the end of the first season, but then like scrapped it because he he was like, "This is just a silly idea. Yeah. I don't know if it'll work with the series." 
Interesting. So like it was just like this thing Graining joked about and then was like, ah, we're not going to do that. And then somebody through like, you know, translating back and forth was finally like, oh, yeah, we got this. Like we can totally do this and made Marge like have bunny ears when she's electric. I mean, it could have been that or it could have been an homage to the whole life is life in hell. That could be. And then just Matt Graining was like, ironically, I always thought about giving Marge ears. And then so. they decided to throw it in. Yeah, one or the other. I. Uh, and uh, at the end of the level, it's kind of weird. The boss is like this giant, crusty robot balloon. With arms, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and I mean, it has to be a robot because we find Smithers was controlling it. But like, I mean, that's weird, right? Yeah, I don't know what that's in a reference to. I didn't know if that was a reference to anything. I don't think it's a reference to anything because it's just listed as crusty balloon on everything I looked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the the boss of the second level could have like, used a little more imagination. I feel like a lot of the bosses in this game are kind of obscure. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we'll get to those later. But yeah, this was the first one where I was like, was this ref? You know, in an episode, was this something that was in? A video on the Krusty show? Was this something he ever talked about? Yeah, no references I can think of. Uh, Certainly not that early on. Uh, So that's uh, level two. Uh, Level three is they they fall down a cliff and they end up in the Springfield Discount Cemetery. What a great name for a cemetery. (laughs) It's It's an awesome name, but it's funny because I don't think the cemetery in Springfield has that name. I don't. I don't think. It I don't does. think it does. Yeah, I, uh, but it is an amazing name. When do we first see the cemetery? That's not to like season six, right? Oh, I feel like it's before then. Well, you kind of see it in the intro of uh, Treehouse of Horrors, right? It's in the intro to the Treehouse. Yeah. It shows of all the tombstones and everything. Uh, but that also, by that logic, it's across the street from like the Simpsons family, like, the Simpsons house, because it's like you know, it's like you cut through that cemetery and then you're right at the Simpson house. I, but I, I mean, they do end up living next to a cemetery, but it's not that cemetery. They what? When yeah. You, what do you, what do you mean? Is that, I can't, is that a fan fiction? Episode? I'm trying to figure out the timeline for when this episode came. They want to put a stamp museum next to the Simpsons house. Fan fiction. Is this not familiar to you guys? It I might don't be a fan remember fiction. this episode okay. at all. Fan fiction. They wanted to put a stamp museum next to the Simpsons house uh-huh. and Homer like, calls the city and says, I don't want this museum here. So it ends up going next to Lenny's house and they put a cemetery in place of it. Oh, don't tell anyone how Lenny lives. (laughs) And Lenny ends up making bank because of all the parking for the museum and just has people parking in his driveway. Weird. I, so yeah, they, they go to the Springfield discount cemetery, which has zombies in it. I, I mean, what else would you have at at a cemetery? Um, I mean, good point, I guess. It's, this is the level that is going to have zombies. Uh, it, it's also weird because, like, there, there's not a lot of references in this stage. Though, as you get towards the end of the level, you find a a hidden elevator under Krusty's tomb. Was that Krusty's tomb? Uh-huh. It says Krusty's name on the tombstone that oh, slides aside. So unless it's, like, maybe it's, like, Bozo the Clown, where like because we, we've talked about that on Noiseland Arcade, where like there are multiple bozos throughout different areas. Maybe there's like multiple crusties, and one of them died. Well, you see that this is actually just a hidden entrance 
to Moe's Tavern. Right, which is which kind of plays into the fact that like Mo is like under like up to no good and stuff, which is kind of funny because you know we'll eventually see that throughout the series. Him like kidnapping Shamu, <laughs> him like you know kidnap or uh, him stealing pandas, pandas from the yeah. zoo. I. Uh, him having Russian roulette in the back office, deer hunter style. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so so he's ob- he's definitely up to no good. Uh, and so the elevator leads down, and then the Simpson family has to fight like some mobsters. Yeah, I didn't know who these two were. They're not from anything I know of. So they are labeled as two goons on the official Wikipedia for it. But they don't look anything like the goons we see, uh, Crusher or Loblo, in uh, the uh, the uh, series, which is a shame. Because how great would it have been to fight Crusher and Lovelow? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been pretty great. <laughs> Hired Yeah, and like one of the guys is in like a regular size suit, but he's clearly not big enough yeah, to it's be like, in the suit. Yeah, it's like a big dude and then like a little dude, and they like stand on top of each other's shoulders. It's really a weird boss fight. I... But uh, Moe's Tavern has some uh, fun references. Uh, so you go through Moe's Tavern. Uh, you see, of course, Moe in the background. Barney is there. Uh, you see, it, she doesn't have the right hair color, but somebody who looks like Princess Cashmere, uh, whose real name I always forget. Uh, like Stacy. I don't remember her real name. You also see a poster of her. Yeah, there's the a entrance. poster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy plays the music. Did you catch what Moe was doing when he when he enters the scene? Uh, no, I don't know if I He did. goes and answers the phone. Oh, does he? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Shauna Tifton. Shauna Tifton. That's right. Thank you, Sean. Uh, now, what's weird is the boss of Moe's Tavern is like a drunk guy. Uh, so before we get to the oh, boss, yeah. Oh, yeah? you pass by two arcades. Ah, uh, yeah. Did you guys happen to see that? One is the Simpsons game. Yep. And you see what the other one was? Uh, what is the other one? I don't remember. No, I did not. So it's Aliens. Which was a Konami game that came out the same year. Oh, that's funny. Yep. Interesting. Because I totally missed it at first, and then when I was looking at one of the programmers' work, mm-hmm. I saw that he had worked on an ga- arcade called Aliens. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the same Alien, and sure enough, it is. Oh, that's great. So when did Konami lose the license to the Alien franchise? Because Alien vs. Predator was a Capcom beat-em-up. Oh, they probably lost it like maybe right after Alien, the yeah. Alien game. Interesting. Because, yeah, I was going to say, I thought that Alien vs. Predator was uh, done by uh, Capcom. Funny. You know when that came out? I, was gonna say, I, th- I think the Alien was 89 or 90. Oh, so Aliens early, game was 89 or 90. I was going to say, probably early 90s, like maybe 93-ish? Sometime around then? But, yeah, so the, there is very meta. Simpsons Arcade uh-huh. slapped with a big Konami sticker right there. And it shows the intro with Maggie... Capturing the diamond, which oh, I think is great. Yeah, that's funny. Alien vs. Predator is 1994. 94. Okay, okay, so yeah, they must have lost it in between then. I. Uh, so what's weird though is the boss is this drunk guy that the Simpsons have to fight, but he's not any of the barflies. He's not any of the barflies. But what's kind of weird is like he he's tan, but if you made him really pale, there is a certain. Uh, a background character that he looks suspiciously like. Uh, Now, it's never really been something I've, like, you know, like, brought up because it's just sort of like, you know, he's just a typical background character they throw in every so often. But there is a real pale guy who has that, like, the the shaved head, you know, look, Mm -hmm. and has that similar face where it's, like, almost like Mo, but he's been shaved. Yeah. His head shaved. Uh, so when you're watching old episodes of The Simpsons, make sure to be on the lookout for a guy who kind of looks like that but pale. And I, I kept feeling like he looked familiar, like a criminal or something that might have been in the jail. 
I don't know if he's in a, like the jail or anything, but you see him frequently in backgrounds, like uh, uh, just like you know when when mobs of citizens are around. Uh, if if we can, maybe we'll try to find a picture and post it in like the Discord or something so people can see. Uh, but I, uh, but yeah, after uh, Moe's Tavern. Uh, I don't know how it transitions, but it does to Springfield Butte. Well, you go up a freight elevator that brings you into the mountains. So, like, you went Why down. Why does Mo have that? By, well, he, you went down by freight elevator. Why does he even have so that? So, he has one, one going in and one going out. Just right, smuggle enough. pandas and yeah. shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough. You got How me is there. he going to get the beer in there and the liquor? Yeah, fair enough. The You're beer bandit's going to. Beer baron. You, beer baron's, uh, that's how you do it. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so in Springfield Butte, it's kind of a, a play on, of course, the uh, the Call of the Simpsons episode where they're out in the wilderness. Uh, there's Bigfoot, which is kind of funny because it looks a lot like the artist rendering of Bigfoot, like uh, from that episode when Homer was Bigfoot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you have Nelson in the uh, uh, this level. Uh, you have uh, Blinky uh, when you're going past the waterfall. Yeah, Blinky shows out. an appearance. And Sideshow Bob, who drops off a healing item, which makes me think that maybe like when they were making the this game, they didn't know that he was supposed to be a villain. Yeah, that's strange because he is he's helping them. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not Sideshow Mel. Like you'd think it'd be Sideshow Mel if it was gonna be one of the sideshows. Well, Mel didn't show up till season two, so That's true. They probably didn't know who Mel was. And no corporal punishment either. That's who should have helped you out. <laughs> uh, so after you you try to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, we didn't bring up the boss. The boss is the bear, the one that was chasing Smithers earlier, the one you let out from or, or somebody let out from the Krusty Land, uh, and obviously a play on the call of the Simpsons. Uh, you fight a bear, which, I mean, I don't feel the Simpsons family... I mean, they're you know they're tough. They're plucky. I just don't know that they can take down a brown bear. I mean, you know what would have kept this bear out? The bear tax. That's true. <laughs> Let the bears pay the bear tax. Homer pays the Homer tax. That's homeowner tax. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still outraged. I uh, Springfield needs its bear patrol. <laughs> it obviously does. They're a serious problem. I, uh, and so like you know the the Simpsons jump into the river and try to like catch up to Smithers, who's in a helicopter. Not really the best idea ever. Uh, but then they fall down a waterfall, knock their heads, and go to Dreamland. Mm-hmm. Dreamland is the next level. It's a little, a little odd. This level. is a weird level with a weird boss. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so each character has like different foes that sort of play on their psyche. Uh, so like there are donuts that are flying around you have to fight, saxophones, little devils that look like Bart, uh, plant workers from the nuclear power plant. Uh, and the boss is a sentient bowling ball. Yeah, it has like different forms too, because he has like arms that'll swing him around. Yeah, and then he morphs a little bit too. I want to say this. The only thing I can think is this has got to be if 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 you're going into the psyche of the Simpsons, the Simpson family, and you're pulling out their worst nightmares. I mean, this uh, this bowling ball could potentially be a uh, play on uh, Life in the Fast Lane, right? Homer giving Marge a bowling ball and her being miserable about it and being spiteful and it almost ruining their relationship. Oh, could be. That's the only thing I can think. That was where I went with my head because Jacques essentially came because of a bowling ball. Is is this like is this like Marge's guilt made manifest? Marge's guilt combined with Homer's guilt 
and the poor kids like their their fear of their parents divorcing is sort of like manifested into this giant <laughs> monstrous bowling ball which almost ruined their lives so the stupidest boss in this game just got very meta so it should I, be that's all I can think. nightmare land is what they should have called this level. i mean really they should have i so the the simpsons wake up and they head to channel six where i ken brockman is not there Nope, but there is a newscaster there. And it's not Scott Christensen. It is Scott Christensen, but he's off model. Oh, okay. So it's Scott Christensen, but he doesn't look right. Yeah. I was going to say, because it didn't look like... Well, his hair is different, too. Okay, yeah. His hair is different is what the big difference is. I see. That's why. And Scott Christensen has that, like, big domed bowl cut. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, every time I think of him, that's what I think of. Uh, Looks like a football helmet he just stuck on his head. Basically, yeah. I... So Channel 6 has, like, you know, they fight robots, they fight space mutants. I would uh, argue that this level is weirder than the Dreamland episode. They fight ninjas in yeah. this level. There's a Japanese set where they're filming, like, some, like, like ninja, like, feudal Japan recreation television show. They fight ninjas, and there's a kabuki dancer that comes out swinging around a naginata. Which is a, uh, a polearm uh, uh, that, you know, the Japanese people uh, would fight with. Uh, it's kind of a curve play. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I... Uh, I always used the Naginata players in Bushido Blade. They were great! You had that distance so you could just poke? Man, Bushido Blade, when are we going to talk about that? <laughs> but this is the only uh, yeah, This right. is the only appearance of this uh, Kabuki Master. He ain't in uh, uh, the sushi episode in The Simpsons. He's not in One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish. Nope. He, he's not even in the later episode when they go to Japan and they watch like a sumo match. Yeah, there is there is uh, this is the like and leave it to Japan to have a Japan themed level like that is a like one of the staples of a lot of like games that are from Japan is like you gotta have a level where they're from you know that takes place in Japan with like ninjas and stuff and like. I'm sure that like the the you know the people over at Fox were like no you can't have a, a a Japan level they're not in Japan this is Springfield what are you crazy and they were like we'll figure out a way don't you worry and they did and they did I uh, so after that it's the Springfield nuclear power plant and there's no level it just goes right to the boss fight yeah you fight Smithers uh huh it's like a mini boss. Essentially, yeah, and and it's weird to me because like Smithers is is so like I mean throughout the entire Simpsons you know <laughs> run, Smithers will jump between you know lackey to a villain and like kind of evil in his own yeah, right. Yeah, what is the deal with Smithers? Smithers is a single man who works for Mister Burns and is like thirty eight years old. <clears throat> so my favorite part of Smithers. Uh huh. He has bombs in his coat. Yeah. He throws bombs at the Simpsons family. Like cliche bombs with like the the, the, like wick. the little fuse. Yeah, the fuse and stuff. I uh, That's weird. Everything it, about this boss fight is weird. It, it, it's so weird because like Smithers is like you know, in, in a lot of later seasons, like, you know, like I would say probably like, you know, in, into like three and on, Smithers is kind of a good guy. Like he he yeah, he's into Mr. Burns, but he's a genuinely good person sometimes. But a lot of the times well, not a lot of the times, but sometimes even after that, he'll occasionally just say really outlandishly rotten things in support of Mr. Burns. But uh in early seasons, like one and two especially, Smithers is kind of a villain. 
he is the lackey of the supervillain of the Simpsons. He is very rude to to Homer. And yeah, uh, I mean, there like he talked about like Homer like killing himself in like an episode. That's rotten. Yeah, that is super rotten. I uh, you know. And so it's, you know, it's not really a surprise, I guess, this early in The Simpsons' life that he's the mini-boss. But it is, for us, it's a little weird because, like, we look and we think, like, oh, Smithers is kind of a nice guy. He collects Malibu Stacy. Yeah, he collects <laughs> Malibu Stacy dolls. And explosives. Uh, so he throws around bombs. And what's kind of interesting is uh, uh, he'll drop some that won't be lit. And so you can pick them up and throw them at him. Mm-hmm. Because uh, throughout the game, there are items you can pick up, not only healing items like food, but like, you know, you can pick up Snowball 2 and throw the cat and it like slashes up the enemy. And yeah, stuff. there's hammers, slingshots. Yeah, there's a. And in the Japanese version, there's atomic bombs. Yeah. Weird that they kept them for the Japanese, Japanese version, but not version. the American version. Strange. Weird. But the, the Japanese version is a lot easier. They, yeah, it is considerably easier from from all the the notes I was reading on like the differences. Uh, the main difference was at the health. So in the North American versions and in, in international as well, you cap out at one hundred percent health. Mm-hmm. Where in the J- Japanese version, you could go past that. So if you were doing pretty good, you know you hadn't taken much damage, you come across a health item, mm-hmm. you go past your one hundred percent. That's actually kind of cool. I kind of like that about it. Yeah, because it always is horrible in a beat 'em up when you have full health and you find like a pizza or something. Yeah, that happens to me in Streets of Rage or Final Fight all the time. You come across pizza? Yeah, just come across pizza, just hiding on the floor. Well, in Turtles, you'll you find pizza, and uh, Streets of Rage is <laughs> what a, a turkey, like a turkey it's or like an apple. I uh, but I uh, pizza time. That was weird. I'm playing Streets of Rage. <laughs> Cowabunga! I'm playing Robert Goulet Destroyer. Why not keep picking up pizzas? <laughs> uh, for our listeners, make sure to check out Noiseland Arcade. Uh, for more information on Robert Goulet Destroyer, perhaps one of the greatest video games ever made. I uh, no stickball, stickball. <laughs> hey, you guys want to play stickball? Certainly. Yeah. So the weirdest thing to me about the whole Smithers and we're about to get to Burns, uh-huh. they didn't have their voice actors. No, they didn't. Time to die. It's like what Smithers? What's wrong with you? Like Smith? Like I don't remember what Smithers says, but he's just like, it, "This is the end," and it's like. That's not Smithers' voice. They had Japanese voice actors who were obviously somebody who worked on the game, right? Yeah, they were just programmers who who uh, guest voiced characters. Tremble in terror. You uh, are finished. I believe there, there's two main actors who didn't do voices. Did you catch which two? No, I did not. So Harry Shearer, Harry obviously, because mm-hmm. he does Smithers and Burns. Mm-hmm. And then Hank Azaria also didn't do any voice acting for the game. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Mo doesn't talk. Uh, you know, I don't think any of his other oh, Quimby's yeah. not in the game. You know, Chief Wiggum's not in the game. Yeah, because like uh, all the other characters will utter lines. Like you know, uh, I I don't know how the mechanically it works. Maybe it's like the first player uh, who chooses or whatever. But like you know, at the end of levels, like one of the characters will be like, "Oh no, Maggie," and it'll be like Marge's, Lisa's, Bart's, or Homer's voice. I uh, also I I I gotta say. The I, I appreciate that the voices are there, but every so often it's really annoying. I was watching a playthrough uh, for research, and uh, there are uh, uh, like couple attacks essentially where like uh, uh, you join up with one of the other Simpson family members, and you have like a like a uh, a special attack between the two of you. And like Marge and Homer will like roll up into like a cartwheel and like roll around, you know, you no know, no big deal. I uh, uh, Marge throws 
Bart, I think, or Lisa, like a rocket, like just heaves him, like a ton of arm strength. Yeah. Marge is a beast. The most annoying is Bart and Lisa, because they like hold hands, hands. like Red Rover style, and they go, and they both scream. But like, if all you're doing is that over and over again, it's like, and it's just like this super obnoxious noise when it's done over and over. It's again. also very unaffected. I don't know if you guys have played <laughs> with two people doing that move. It's really bad. It's terrible. The Marge and Homer one, I think, is the best one. I, yeah, I've, I've been told that one's the best. I always played as Marge. So I usually had somebody who would play as Homer because he's either Homer or Bart usually gets picked. Poor Lisa gets left Ho- behind. Yeah, I, Homer was my favorite. Yeah, Homer, me too. Yeah. I, I usually use Bart as a backup uh, and then Marge and then Lisa. Yeah. I like Lisa, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to fight with jump rope. No, nope, nobody wants to fight with Lisa's jump rope. Little kid version of Castlevania. No, thank you. Can uh, do without that. I'll take that. Kid Dracula's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, so Smithers, I, uh, uh, you defeat him, and then Burns comes on, and Burns rolls out in this like giant, like nuclear powered tank. Oh yeah. And once again, it's like the same voice actor for Smithers. He's like, this is the end. It's like, that doesn't sound like <laughs> Mr. Burns. It kind of reminds me of the X-Men arcade with the whole, welcome to die. Welcome to die. Wendigo. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the voice acting is a little on the crummy side in the X-Men. And, you know, when it's not the original actors, the Simpsons. I. Uh, but yeah, Burns comes out and you fight him for what? Like I think it's three different uh uh like how do I put it up? Phases, phases? yeah, phases yeah. of uh boss and uh like he, he like eventually his robot turns into like a hovercraft and like it's shooting out nuclear bombs. That just seems rather dangerous. Yeah, I think he has like legs at one point, then he goes into like a tank track or maybe that's the first version. And then he has like a, like you said the hovercraft like uh-huh. floating device, which is a, a very long phase. I feel like that one takes twice as long as the other phases combined. Uh-huh. So the tank tracks, I gotta ask because mm-hmm. I know I'm a giant nerd for this. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the original Mobile Suit Gundam from 1979. Yeah, they had the big gun tanks that had trank like tank legs, and they were like the first mobile suits, and then they got actual legs after that. And they're really clunky and slow. Yeah, that's absolutely what I think of when I was uh, looking at it. I, uh, man, but I, uh, yeah. Then it like gets a hovercraft, hovercraft, and then which I'm I'm kind of sad that we didn't have hovercraft Joe hovercraft on for this Joe, episode. Yeah. Man, it's a, a game with a. I hovercraft. feel like this is the second time we've mentioned. Why didn't we have hovercraft Joe on this episode? Right, <laughs> we need hovercraft Joe on for these hovercraft themed episodes. Well, actually, it's Simpsons themed, I guess, but you know. Hovercrafts are a, a, a very close second in this game. Sure is. <sighs> yep. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and then, isn't this final phase, like, it turns into, like, an air? Like, uh, one of those, like, like swamp bayou air raft things no, that I gets, th- like, the fan on the back? Is it? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <sighs> Maybe I'm crazy. No, I'm I'm Because I believe after, crazy. he just kind of, like, starts falling apart. So, like, pieces of them just start coming oh, off. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then finally it just demolishes. He turns into burns and just falls over. Yep, unconscious. And uh, and then he gets, like, X's in his eyes. Yeah, so Maggie puts the diamond in his, <laughs> no, the pacifier in his mouth. Yeah. And, yeah, she moves away and his eyes are just X's. <laughs> it, is Mr. Burns dead? I feel like, I mean, you know, there's always the jokes about how Mr. Burns, like, is always close to death. I feel like probably he died, Smithers woke up, brought him back, like, resuscitated him, and then, like, you know, and that was the end. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, so it's uh, kind of weird. You you defeat Burns, Patty, Selma, and Grandpa Simpson come out, and then they leave. Mm-hmm. Patty, Selma, and Grandpa Simpson go somewhere else, and it's just the Simpson family walking down like from the nuclear power plant down a road towards town, and uh, like Homer grabs the 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 diamond and like throws it behind him, and it like you know and that's the end. Yep. Uh, so this game did come back. Uh, after it was on arcade in 2012, uh, the game mm-hmm. was re-released on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 as a downloadable game. But Konami at the time only had uh, they reacquired the license temporarily. Oh. So in 2014, the games got pulled. So sad. Which I didn't know this because I bought the game when it came out uh-huh. back on the Xbox 360, and I come to find out you can't get it anymore. Nope, it's gone. Yeah. Man. I had no idea about that. Are you able to download it still? Like, I it, mean, like, so it's still on my system. Yeah. Oh, okay. You could re-download it if you've deleted it. Yeah. Because you bought it. Because you bought it. But essentially, it's gone for anyone else who wants to go out and get it. Man. That's sad, because this is a, a phenomenal beat-em-up. This is a, a great game. I uh, Now, I... Uh, before we uh, uh, dive into the music, uh, Glitch, do you have any uh, speedrunning uh, stuff uh, for us? Yeah, I have a couple things. Uh, one thing before I talk about the speedrunning, mm-hmm. uh, Screw Attack had made a list of the best cartoon-based games of all time and listed this as number one. I could see that. I mean, even above like X-Men and any of those Well, games I mean, X-Men too? is almost more comic than, than cartoon, I, suppose, I think. Yeah. But, like, but even if it was, I, I could see this being number one. I mean, it's great. I love this. I arcade. would not pick this as number one. I'd pick Turtles in Time as number one. I think Turtles in Time Turtles might in be time. a better beat-em-up. Yeah, it makes me wonder what like two and three were, because Turtles Arcade is phenomenal. Yeah, so is Turtles in Time. Yeah, Turtles in Time. The, all the Turtle Arcade games are very good. Uh, and The Simpsons Arcade is great. I don't know if it's as good as those. I... Uh, yeah, it would be it'd be curious to take a look at that list. Uh, I was curious if you guys remember the first time you played this game. So the first time I played this game would have been at Riverside Skate Arena. Honestly, the skate rink might be where I first played this. That or uh, the Wonderland Arcade. Man, oh, you're right. It might have been there actually. Because that used to hang out yeah. there when I was a little kid. Yeah. Mine was definitely Riverside Arena. <laughs> the uh, skate rink. <laughs> and I do remember beating the game. Me and three other friends, we all just pumped all of our quarters into it. And uh-huh. we finally beat it. And I think I remember talking about this on our Patreon because we did the Konami. Uh, it was like you, Xander, and I. Yeah, yeah. We did our top five Konami games. And this was my number five. Uh huh. And I think I had mentioned on that episode, my mom had given me money for lunch. And I pumped all my money into this playthrough of The Simpsons. And I used my last quarter on Burns's battle that's great and we beat it so there's a time where craig xander and i and a few other friends went out to a pizza hut and they had the simpsons arcade yeah there was a pizza hut near uh near us that i had the simpsons arcade for a while and i remember xander specifically telling some kid to beat it we're beating this game (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh man yeah that was a ton of fun uh i i feel like it was tans 
Who might have been? It might have been Tans who was with us. It was the four of us. We uh, uh, we were waiting on our pizza, and we were like, "Let's play Simpsons." And we were like, started pumping in quarters, and then like uh, we would like go grab like a slice of pizza, run back, like take a few bites, like come back and keep playing. We had to like guard each other, to like make sure that I, uh, uh, you know, like you know, when you went to get pizza, you didn't get hit. I think our waitress was really annoyed with us because we kept running back and forth across the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine she appreciated us, <laughs> but so so few people do. I. So yeah, it was uh, 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 it was a ton of fun though. Uh, the the Simpsons arcade, I really enjoyed it. That that's probably one of the more fond experiences I have. But uh, glitch, you actually own the game, don't you? I do own this. It's you a, own the arcade itself. It's a bit of a modded version. I got it from someone on eBay uh, several years ago, mm-hmm. and it's not the original cabinet. Um, it's something that someone built okay. and put the Jamma board into it. But it's it's programmed so that there's buttons on the front where you can just add credits to your game. So I mean, it works perfectly fine. I kind of I, eventually I want to rebuild the cabinet, get all the mm-hmm. decals and the artwork onto it, and make it real nice. Yeah. But I mean, it still works right now. They yeah. do have companies out there that make reproductions of the artwork, so you can get them. Yeah, I I have someone on eBay I've been watching for years that sells all <laughs> the artwork, and I've been like. Uh, don't buy it yet, because I don't know when I'm going to do this. So. <laughs> what else did you have for us, though, Oglet? So the speed running. Uh, there are different categories for easy, normal, hard, and expert. There's also different mm-hmm. categories for two-player, three-player, and four-player play. Um, there's two people who go back and forth between the four difficulties. Uh, Elrock, 617, and Zerst. They kind of have been like battling each other for the record for the last several years. Uh-huh. Um, did you guys want to give a guess as to how long it took? Easy mode was the fastest time. Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, an hour and a half? I mean, it's not a super long game. I'm going to guess 22 minutes. 15 minutes, 39 seconds. 15 minutes? How? I mean, you forget how short these levels actually are. I guess so. And there's only six of them. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, technically there's eight. No, well, yeah. Eight levels. Man. But yeah. That's way different than what I was thinking. That's all I got. Uh, John, any uh, uh, last uh, thoughts you can think of before we jump to the music? Not that I can think of anything particular. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, uh, hear a word from one of our sponsors and uh, jump into the music after that. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Boom-shakalaka! All right, so let's go ahead and chat about the music for uh, uh, the Simpsons arcade game. So it was composed by Norio Hanazawa, who composed some legendary Konami games, including Bucky O'Hare, Gunstar Heroes, Dynamite Heady, Alien Soldier, Guardian Heroes, and Mischief Makers. Man, Bucky O'Hare has a fantastic soundtrack, if any of you listeners have never heard it. 
It's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, so does uh, Mischief Makers. Mischief Makers has a fun soundtrack. Hanazawa does really good work. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, as far as that goes, uh, uh, Hanazawa's, you know, pedigree is, is pretty impressive. Uh, let's go ahead and listen to, uh, uh some of the themes here. So the, uh, the one that you chose, Glitch, is the theme of Springfield Butte, stage five. So yeah, this is the wilderness stage, uh, done after the call of the Simpsons. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. appreciate about the soundtrack and as you know we uh, listen to these songs we'll we'll hear it time and again i uh, it's not just the simpsons theme over and over again like all the nintendo games like that's amazing to me that it's actually its own soundtrack yeah because bar versus the space Mutants, it wasn't just two tracks like it's like the simpsons every theme. other level was a different track but it was the same one throughout the entire game yeah it's it's not great so like you know. what i like about that last track mm-hmm. Is it sounds a lot like the Simpsons theme. If you were to take that and make a different song out of it, where it hits the up and down sort of. I can see that. I can totally see that. Now, here's a song coming up that is not anything like the Simpsons theme. So the uh, the Japanese themed uh, Channel Six Studio had the boss fight that was the Kabuki Warrior, and just to show how weirdly different the music can get, let's go ahead and listen to this. to be in a Simpsons game, though. Yo! The Japanese kabuki yell. And, and, like, you know that, like, there has to be, like, I'm sure some contractual obligation. Like, like they signed, you know, the, the people over at Fox, like, signed everything, Matt Groening, whoever, and they, they're like, okay, here's level six, and they're like, well, this is just Japan. And they're like, well, yeah, didn't you read the contract? We're contractually obligated to be able to put in a Japanese-themed level into this game. 
So if you would have just played that track for me and not told me the game. Bushido Blade. <laughs> I would have guessed uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja. Oh, I could see that too. I, yeah, I would have guessed Bushido Blade, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, some other very Japanese game. Strider, maybe? Oh, I could maybe see Strider. Maybe. I. Uh, and uh, so we have one more boss fight that we want to listen to before we uh, uh, wrap up the music here. Uh, this is Sean's choice. This is the second stage to the final boss, Mr. Burns, which is a little on the intense side. reminds me of like a, a more bombastic version of the cradle antenna theme from GoldenEye. I can see yeah. that. I kind of got Shredder vibes from it, from the Turtles Arcade game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, I hear both of those in, in this one. The, the, I like it. It's perfect boss music right there. Oh, yeah. It is solid. Yeah, it is arcade boss music to its finest. So, as far as that goes, let's go ahead and kind of wrap up our thoughts on on the Simpsons arcade game. It's a game that means a lot to all three of us, uh, and there's a ton of talk to, to talk about when it comes to the game. Uh, but, uh, uh, Sean, what are sort of your kind of parting thoughts on uh, the arcade game? That it's really hard to find because it was taken off of PlayStation Network and Xbox Live, but if you find a copy of it out in the wild, go play it for an hour. You'll have a blast. Glitch? Do they have physical copies of that release? No, they never made physical oh, man, copies. That would have been great. No console Man, port. that would have been awesome. It, I feel like you could have gotten away with a uh, a two-player version of the Simpsons arcade game. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for um, Super well, Nintendo well, or something? Well, it did have console ports to the Commodore 64, I think. <laughs> I think it had the Commodore 64 and MS-DOS had a port of it. You know what? Uh, that's true, because I have a copy of the DOS version. <laughs> <laughs> How bad is the DOS version? Well, I haven't played it. I don't have anything to play it on. Oh, yeah. okay. But I remember snatching it on eBay like... De- like a decade ago for like 10 bucks not bad so i was like i gotta get it um for me it's obvious uh, this was always on one of my bucket lists like if i ever get arcades mm-hmm. i need this yeah so when i got in my house it was perfect so definitely one of my favorite arcades yeah for for me the the simpsons arcade i mean the simpsons just means so much to me in general that even if this was a bad game i think i would still probably like it but that's what's so special about it. Is this not a bad game? It's right. a great beat 'em up. It is a, a really awesome beat 'em up, and you know it, it's hard. It, it's so few and far between to be able to say this is a licensed video game on The Simpsons that is very good. Because let's face it, in the early '90s, that was very hard to find. And the Full House arcade hasn't come out yet. Oh, I cannot wait for that Full House arcade. So. I mean, hopefully uh, they can work out the licensing on that. Because, hopefully it's Full House and not Fuller House. I mean, I'm, I'm, I love it, but I'm getting bored of Robert Goulet Destroyer. I, you can only play it so many times. Would Aunt Becky be on the Fuller House arcade? Ooh, I don't know if she would be. I, all I know is that I hope I get to fight Bob Saget. <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I want. Maybe in the Fuller House arcade, it's the big return of the Olsen twins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our retro relapse. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for retro relapse on the Legend of Retro podcast. Retro relapse. So, uh, Sean, you you are our special guest for today's episode, and you were able to choose a game, and you decided to choose this one. So I had a lot of fun memories of this one as a kid. Oh yeah, not it being a fun game, but renting it a lot. Ah. <laughs> So it's not. So you admit that it is not a fun game because it's a known property. You go out and you pick up the known property, and you think, "I don't want this weird game. I don't want Strider. I want Star Wars because I like Star Wars." I mean, who doesn't like Star Wars? So Star Wars for the NES was a game that I fondly remember renting a lot and never getting very far because it's really, really hard. It really is. The controls are very sloppy and it's very difficult. Uh, like at least Super Star Wars, the Super Star Wars series on Super Nintendo had like I mean it was a they were tough games, but there was a little bit more control. Like you 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 know it didn't feel sloppy. It was very difficult, but not sloppy. In this case, like you slide when you jump, so like when you land, you end up like kind of like skidding across the ground a little bit. Like, it's really weird. Yeah, it's not even like you're in an ice level. It's you're just. <laughs> You're in the cantina, and yeah. you're sliding into enemies. It's all that uh, uh, water spilled on the ground. Yeah, water. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all those drinks spilled on the ground, and and wh- what was with the weird hammerhead guy? He like wouldn't die. I don't know. You shot him like a hundred times, and he never died. Oh yeah, Craig pumped like a hundred shots into this guy. At least, at least a hundred. <laughs> uh, what is that race called? Ithorian. I- Ithorian. Yeah, the weird hammerhead race in Star Wars. He's like running around, and he has this like weird flamethrower like weapon. It doesn't shoot out flames, but it's like this short stream of like laser fire. And, and then it abruptly ends, and then he like turns around, he runs, and you know. And the weirdest thing is like this 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 hammerhead dude is like totally a master of like Terrace Kasi or something from Star Wars because he just like totally schools you the moment you touch him. Like a, a, I think like three quarters of your health vanishes if no, you touch half. the dude. Oh, it was just yeah, half. It was I bumped half into him twice health. and I died. Yikes. Yep. Well, it's kind of like the Mega Man boss thing and how their weapons don't hurt you as bad as them just running into you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess it is a Mega Man thing. Uh, so this came out in 1991. Uh, it's like starts off. It's the very first Star Wars game. So you're in a land speeder. You go into a cave, but you didn't have to go into the cave because once you get to the bottom, you didn't find anything and it boots you out. It, it's like really it's one of those like where the heck do I go games, you know, where you're just sort of wandering around, not sure where what to do. Uh, but as far as that goes. What are we giving this on the 8-bit scale, guys? So I'm going to... Oh, it's tough for me because I do remember the same thing. I remember renting this game as a kid. Uh-huh. We never bought it. Um, I own it now, but I remember really going crazy for the music. I love the overworld where you're driving around going cave to cave. The music's cool. Uh, but the when you're in the levels, when you're in the caves, it's just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, very Concept fun. and design, it's a good game. And the sprites are pretty good. I'm going to say four and a half. I, think I might be a little bit higher than I, I, the look on your guys' eyes. I think I might be a little bit higher, but four and a half. No, I'm, I'm about where you are. I'd probably give it actually a five. Okay. Because I have fond memories of exploring, and I liked games like that. Because Zelda had come out recently, and I was really into just going to a big world, looking around, and hoping to find something in a cave. I was going to say a four out of five. Like, the music's pretty good. The 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 sprite work, and especially, like, the the... Uh, the still images of like C-3PO and stuff like look look fine like and you know they use the dialogue from the movie directly which is very rare you know for for licensed games and stuff so like there's a lot going for it but like 
the controls just aren't very good, and I feel like that really detracts it a bit. So I feel like it's a below average game because of that. I uh, but I uh, but yeah, if you're really into Star Wars, it, I guess it's worth probably checking out. Man, at least check out that soundtrack. The eight bit versions yes, of the songs are so great. Soundtrack, yes. So forget what I said. Don't worry about that. Uh, playing it, you don't have to. But at least listen to the music online. I <laughs> uh, but I uh, I tell you what, let's go ahead and uh, uh, chat about our music bracket. So we have character themes, and uh, as far as that goes, uh, we have uh, uh, some kind of uh, kind of an interesting matchup today because we have a couple of villains facing off. Yeah. Uh, so the the first theme we have is uh, from Final Fantasy VI, the theme of Kefka. Uh, of course, uh, it is. Uh, Composed by Nabu Yamatsu, uh, known in America as Final Fantasy III for a long time because of you know Nintendo and Square messing up the uh, the ordering and stuff, which we've talked about a million times before. Uh, but this is the uh, the kind of insane theme of the Mad Jester from uh, Final Fantasy VI. So let's go ahead and give this a listen. I can't not just be delighted with how insane Kefka is every time I hear that theme. It's a great march tune, too. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 you know, I've played a lot of Final Fantasy VI. I never finished it, but I just, as soon as that track comes on, I just, everything freezes and here comes Kefka. Uh Uh-huh. It sounds like a marching band would play that song. Yeah. It really does. Marching band that are about to go, like, murder people. (laughs) I... And speaking of murdering people, we have another ruthless tyrant who Kefka's going against in as far as character theme music goes. Uh, it is the theme of Frieza from Dragon Ball GT Final Bout, uh, composed by Kenji Yamamoto, uh, which is interesting because a lot of people really love his music, and only later down the road we found out he was plagiarizing some of it. Uh, and in fact, uh, this theme uh, is is very heavily borrowed from the works of Mozart, uh, which at least is public domain. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, yeah, it's got that kind of pedigree. Not quite as original as Nobuo Yamatsu, but a pretty cool theme nonetheless. This is from the PlayStation. Let's go ahead and listen to Frieza's theme. 
funny because like I I do like that theme, but it's not the uh, the version from the show, which I love so much. You know, like so much. What I think I, I talked about on the uh, our our Dragon Ball GT Final Bout episode. So make sure to go back and listen to that. So one thing I do like about that is by making it Mozarty, it's very flowery, which frees us a very flowery villain. Yeah, it is very fitting. Like it is very uh, uh, definitely a fitting theme for Frieza, which is nice because you know every so often you'll you'll occasionally like in maybe you know games that aren't as good, the theme music just doesn't really match up as well. You know, almost everything he says in Japanese is very poetic. Mm-hmm. Where in his American dubs, he's not as poetic, but he's kind of a poetic villain. So yeah. I kind of like that about it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a, a pretty you know fitting aspect to uh, Frieza's theme for uh, GT Final Bout, uh, but you can go ahead and uh, vote on your choice for uh, our brackets over on our Facebook page. There's a Legend of Retro uh, uh, account over on Twitter. You can vote there. We also have in our Discord another uh, way to vote, and to top it off, our uh, uh, Patreon uh, for one dollar a month. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/GameZilla Media, uh, you're going to have the uh, benefit of having an additional vote there. Uh, on top of the fact that if you're just doing one dollar a month and you get that vote, you also have early access to our retro relapse videos when we don't have special guests on. And uh, to top it off, for five dollars a month, you get access to our uh, monthly bonus episode, which is the Game Shark Show, which uh, pulls in the uh, Legend of Retro crew, as well as other friends from uh, uh, other shows and uh, on the GameZilla Media Network. Yeah, what's what's nice about the whole Patreon aspect is you get everything from GameZilla Media. So, yeah, at $5, you're getting Game Shark, but you're also getting Noiseland Arcades, Smart Lion episodes. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Sean, you do the Noiseland Arcade show with me. Uh, go ahead and uh, fill our listeners in on uh, that show. So, our Smart Lion is our Patreon show for Noiseland Arcade, and on Smart Lion, we basically dissect certain characters or aspects of the show. They can be as random as we're going to talk about the bar and who goes to the bar to let's break down a single character and talk about all of our favorite moments. Yeah, and uh, Sean, uh, uh, for you know, we've just spent a good chunk of today talking about the uh, the Simpsons. Uh, and uh, on Noiseland Arcade, that is what Sean and I do. Uh, the arcade fandom and I uh, basically break down every episode of The Simpsons. We've gone through season one already. We're uh, almost done with season two, actually. Yeah, we'll be wrapping there. season two up in the coming months. Yeah. And then in about eight, eight more seasons, you guys will be done, right? Well, something will happen. Something special. <laughs> Lousy fan fiction episodes. I that's where I take over and I talk about the fan fiction episodes. <laughs> it's just Glitch talking to himself. Glitch is just alone talking about. It. Remember was, this episode? I swear these episodes are good. Trust me. I swear. Please, you didn't just spend you know years listening to these other two dudes tell, telling you that they weren't that good. Listen to oh. Tubor, the beer of kings. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I think it's about time that we go ahead and uh, uh, wrap up today's episode of Legend of Retro. Uh, Definitely appreciate everyone uh, listening in, and we'll see y'all next time when When the the legend legend continues. continues.